Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to my next guests. I've been a friend for a long time, former airline captain, Air Canada captain, through the big ones, 777s, Raymond Hall. Raymond, I'll ask you to just hold on. Just, just stay where you are, please, because I want to play something. Uh, it's 90 seconds in duration. I, I played, uh, played back New York Mayor Eric Adams' speech, the four-minute one, that he delivered in New York last uh, Tuesday, the We're Not All Right speech. I've had a lot of response to that at Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. A lot of response. People asking me to play it again. It'll be on, on our website, uh, globalnews.ca slash RoyGreen. But here's a, here's a cut-down version it's shorter, obviously, than the original. Have a listen. We are not all right when we see young girls pulled from their home and dragged through the streets. We are not all right when we see grandmothers being pulled away from their homes and children shot in front of their families. We are not all right when right here in the city of New York you have those who celebrate at the same time when the devastation is taking place in our city. We are not all right when Hamas believes that they are fighting on, be, on behalf of something in their destructive, despicable action that carried out. We are not all right when we still have hostages who have not come home to their family. We are not all right. And we're not going to say we have a stiff upper lip and act like everything is fine. Everything is not fine. Israel has a right to defend himself, and that's the right that we know. Your fight is our fight. Your fight is our fight. And right here in New York, we have the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. This is the place that our voices must raise and cascade throughout the entire country. We will not be all right until every person responsible for this act is held accountable. And we don't have to pretend. The mayor of New York, Eric Adams, last Tuesday, we are not all right. That speech has uh, just generated a tremendous amount of response. Tremendous amount of response. Okay, um, our good friend Raymond Hall, former Air Canada captain and uh, lawyer, human rights lawyer, former head of the Air Canada Pilots Association, joins us. Raymond, I, I know that you have a great affinity for, for Israel. I'll ask you about how airlines deal with, with, with war zones in a minute or a few minutes. But when you listen to, uh, to uh, Mayor Adams, when you think of your own experiences in Israel, and I'd like you to share some of that with us, please, your experiences in Israel, what you saw, um, where you were, uh, but in the context of what's happened over the last week plus one day, just, just share with us what, what you're thinking, please. Thank you, Roy. Well, I started uh, operating flights to Israel in 1996 and uh, through uh, 2007. I operated over 200 flights and traveled there 
with my family on vacation several times as well. Uh, I was there during the first and the second intifada. Uh, I traveled around uh, most of the country, including uh, Jerusalem. I visited the Yad Vashem uh, Holocaust Museum in, in Jerusalem, the old one and the new one, several times. I was there when suicide bombers were tearing apart restaurants uh, right on the beachfront in Tel Aviv. I went into the restaurants uh, a couple of weeks later and actually spoke with the people that were still working there that had been witnesses to the uh, events there. And I don't know how anybody describes that situation. It's uh, the issue about terror in countries, and Israel is certainly not the only one, but obviously the worst example right now of uh, the cruelty of some humans to others. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fact of life that we have to deal with, and I think uh, that we have to uh, deal with it properly. And uh, I don't want to get into the politics of the situation right now, but just the, the human suffering is, is so, uh, so visible, so, so pure, yeah. so deep, that it, you cannot come out of there without feeling uh, absolute disgust for, for what has happened. You know, I, I will never forget all, I mean, we've had some interviews over the last two days that are really remarkable and memorable. But I will not forget what one of our guests in Israel said yesterday, that her daughter was going to go to that concert. And uh, at the last minute, she decided not to. And It was a life-changing moment. It uh, was. Uh, like the, the mom's relief, Raymond was palpable. She said, you know, my daughter could be could be dead now or a hostage. Or worse. Or worse. Yeah. And that and that was a spontaneous decision from what I recall her saying that her daughter just decided not to go. And there were hundreds who didn't make that decision and yes. uh, and look at the results. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Tell tell, tell us what uh, about your uh, visits to well, you were evacuated from Israel at one time, were you not? Yes, one I, was, I was in, uh, on a four-day uh, layover in Tel Aviv uh, when uh, George Bush was working the build-up to uh, the invasion of Iraq, and he issued a 48-hour warning to Saddam Hussein. And, of course, the airlines have uh, basically one concern, and one concern only. It's the safety of uh, especially the crews, but also their passengers. So it should not be surprising that uh, Air Canada and all of the other, almost all of the other airlines uh, that operate through those difficult areas uh, uh, terminate their flights. And uh, some of them even terminate their uh, evacuation flights. Uh, so uh, I was uh, told to uh, get back to Tel Aviv. I was down in uh, Elat because it's uh, two days away from my uh, scheduled flight to return. And I was told to get back to uh, Tel Aviv right away, and I would be deadheaded out to uh, Cyprus, which is an hour and 20 minutes away by flight. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I couldn't make it. I was two to, uh, a day away, so they had to make all the certain arrangements for me. But the, the entire crew was evacuated. And uh, that was, it was just a, a threat. It wasn't an actual war. In this circumstance, uh, it, where you actually have shells landing close to the Tel Aviv airport, it's not surprising that everything gets shut down and that uh, people get trapped. You know, if we get evacuated in this country, it's because usually because of natural disasters, not because somebody's trying to put a bullet in your head. Um, and, and, and 
evacu- being evacuated itself must be traumatic enough because, you, see, you know, you're seeing you, you, the circumstances that you were in. You saw what was going on on the ground. Um, it's, trauma- it's traumatic for people who see massive fires engulfing their communities. But but this when when you have what you what you experienced and what the you know what the people uh, in Israel have experienced over the last week and and beyond that, but we're looking specifically at the timeline of last Saturday to today. Uh, it's just it's it's grotesque. It's absolutely grotesque. But I was going to ask you. The, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Raymond. Go ahead. I can't compare my circumstances. It was a threat, and uh, it was very logistical operation, get get back to Tel Aviv and get on a flight and leave. Uh, there was no immediate danger as far as I saw it, and besides, it was still within the 48 hours that George Bush had given to Saddam Hussein, so there wasn't that big urgency. Mm-hmm. But compare that now, where you actually have rockets landing in, in Ashdod and, and right in Tel Aviv, uh, where there is a threat. There's sirens going off continuously, and people can't get away. There, there's no escape from that. That's, that's the real threat. Yeah. You know, you'd have to be inhuman if you didn't also have great concern for the civilians um, in Gaza and uh, on, uh, you know, on the West Bank who, well, that's not directly in line of the Israeli military, the the IDF, but but Gaza, isn't there lots of people there? There are thousands and thousands of people. This is a densely populated part of the world who have nothing to do, want nothing to do with Hamas. And they find themselves in a in a in a very very uh, compromising, dangerous reality. And I spoke to the ambassador about that earlier. So, and you've been to uh, you've been to Ramallah, right? I, I was in Ramallah. I went there when Yasser Arafat was in his headquarters. I, I hired a uh, Palestinian individual. Didn't tell him about my background, other than that I was an airline pilot. He had no idea that I had any affinity towards Israel. And he took me through, and I felt very safe traveling with him. Uh, I spent a whole day there, uh, just uh, uh, about six months after the uh, Israel, uh, Israelis turned over the compound in Ramallah to uh, uh, Yasser Arafat. And uh, there were building after building that were just bombed out because of the response of Israel to what the PLO had done. And I, it, it, it's a very vivid image to see all of these windows shattered, to see uh, cannonball shells through the walls, and to actually experience the, uh, the uh, after effects of uh, the aftermath of, uh, of these traumatic events. And, and to be very thankful that in Canada we don't have, have to deal with that very much. But I wanted to see it so that I got a perspective of how the situation really was. It's one thing to get it off the television. It's another thing to be there in the buildings that are absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I was, uh, when I was in the uh, RCNR, the Royal Canadian Naval Reserve, um, they took us to Collège Militaire Royal Saint-Jean in Quebec. You know, I got to see what, um, what massive firepower can do. And this was... This was controlled. This was training, right? So nobody was in any danger. Well, I suppose if there are live rounds around, you're in some danger. But uh, it's minimal, almost non-existent. But then when you go and inspect what uh, what a round from an RPG has done or a round from a tank has done or, you know, what grenades can do, uh, you go, oh, my God, this is, this is serious stuff. 
And on you know, the airline it, it's, side, it's Roy, there's another chilling. issue here that I don't think anybody's touched on yet, uh, and that is the fact that the insurance companies for the airlines have, uh, for, in, for the most part, precluded the airlines from going in on rescue flights. Uh, for example, Norwegian Airlines had some uh, rescue flights scheduled, and um, and the insurance company said, "No, we you go there at your own risk." And I'm I'm assuming that the same applies to United and Delta and others. So that's a real impediment to being able to solve the problem mm-hmm. of the uh, evacuation. Yeah. So so the airlines would have the responsibility for the crews, they have the responsibility, well, they have the responsibility of the passengers or people who want to get out, but uh, it's a commercial enterprise and uh, they're protecting their investment and they're protecting their crews. I think we understand that. But there are military flights and uh, that's a whole different uh, situation. Tell me something. How difficult, is, how difficult is it to get a plane to fly from Tel Aviv to a destination in Canada? Uh, well, we operated the 767 from Toronto and Montreal to Tel Aviv uh, before the 777 came online in 2007. Uh, it's a 12 and a half hour flight uh, going over there, and about a 12 hour flight coming. Uh, no, the other way around. About a 12 hour flight going over there, and 12 and a half hour going back because of the winds. Uh, but the 777 uh, and the, and particularly the 787, can operate up to 16, 17 hours. My flights from Toronto to Hong Kong, for example over 15 and a half hours nonstop right across the North Pole and through Russian airspace. Now they're even longer because you can't go through Russian airspace, but uh, it's not difficult to operate uh, a a 12-hour flight on any of these larger craft these days. Yeah, so that's what I was saying, that the Canadian government was picking up, finally started picking up Canadians and taking them out of uh, Israel, those who wanted to leave, and they were taking them to to, uh, Athens, which is a two-hour flight. From Tel Aviv, I think two hours and ten minutes. I checked that out, and and then they're just dropping them off. Just fly them to sure Canada. They, they have the model Airbus. It's called the CC one fifty, and I'm not sure what the range on that aircraft is. It's, it's like a big three twenty, maybe a three thirty, uh, and uh, it probably could get across the ocean. But I think their primary uh, interest in going only to Athens was to do as many flights as they could to get back and forth to uh, Tel Aviv to get as many people yeah. out. And, and uh, that was most more than likely the, the thinking. You're generous. Than... You're very generous, Raymond. They had days to do that. <laughs> and they finally, it took them days to get it done. And Canadians in Israel were telling us and, uh, and have been speaking nationally about the miserable performance of the Canadian authorities at the embassy. Anyway, we don't want to get into all of that. Uh, Raymond, what happens with uh, with flights now and, and in in countries close to Israel, like, uh, well, Lebanon? Well, Lebanon could be involved if Hezbollah uh, decides yeah. to move. What about uh, countries like uh, Jordan and Egypt? Well, uh, the, I, I'm really not sure, uh, Roy. I, it, it, um, until we see evidence of escalation uh, anywhere further afield than, than right on the Lebanese border, uh, I, I don't think there's any restriction on the airspaces there. I know uh, that the um, head of American Airlines has declared uh, Israeli airspace unsafe. Uh, but even just uh, Cyprus, outside of the range of the uh, the rockets from uh, Gaza, that's not declared unsafe, and and it's, it's like uh, 300 kilometers away uh, or so. 
And uh, so I, I would expect, and, and when there were hostilities uh, early on in Ukraine, uh, the, uh, the transcontinental flights used to just bypass that airspace. Right now we're bypassing Russian airspace because we're not allowed to travel through it, right. that sort of thing. So, so it costs more fuel. Okay. You have to take a longer route, but I don't think there's any issue about safety with those, those types of proximate countries. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.